This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Rose. Thanks, Matt Tompkins. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Andy Greats Live. This is our podcast featuring the uh, folks who best represent the Nebraska Greats Foundation. We find sports celebrities from all of our 16 colleges and universities and those associated with sports across the great state of Nebraska, college athletics, in all walks of life. And we're pleased to be joined today by um, one of my favorite people, Adi Kanalik, is a former Nebraska football player who has become, I think, the first internet entrepreneurial celebrity that I know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are out there uh, all over the landscape, but this is the one I know. He and Blake Lawrence are the two that I know. They founded Open Doors. It started as her dad's social media, and now it's Open Doors. They're on the cutting edge of the name, image, and branding of athletes and their branding power on social media. Man, you're becoming a, a big-time social media celebrity. Do you remember those humble roots of yours or those way in the past? <laughs> uh I wouldn't say I don't know if celebrity is the right word, man. You're you're making it seem a little bit. No, it's it's uh it's it's pretty cool. I think we've just um Rosie, we've been at this for so so dang long. And when we first, you know, you mentioned her that our first company that we started and and then uh eventually when we got open doors going, uh we were doing a lot of things that were early in the market. And so when you're when you're six, seven, eight years ahead of your time. People think you're crazy when you try to do certain things. And so um, it feels it feels good to be on the back end of the journey now where uh, name, image, and likeness and, and sort of this athlete empowerment movement and, and um, it is becoming such a big deal that we have the infrastructure and we have the institutional knowledge to actually go and attack this, this new era. And so um, it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's, it, it's been a long time coming. And like I said, Early in the early days, us trying to solve the, the that the smallest of problems, people were like, "Oh, you're you're never going to be able to do that," or "Why would you do that?" And and it uh, always feels like um, you know it takes a decade to do anything meaningful these days. But um, but it, it's cool to be on the on the back end of it. That's for sure. Now, most of us see athletes posting on social media. They're all over social media, not just college athletes or professional athletes or celebrities. But how does Open Doors fit into the the mix? What is the piece of the puzzle that you guys provide? So um, I'll take you back maybe to like where it all started, right? So uh, in 2010, Blake and I started our first company. It was a social media agency and I was still in college. He was still in college. And and really what we were trying to do is help local businesses uh, who didn't have the time or resources or knowledge of how to do social media themselves. We would do it for them. So they pay us a monthly retainer. We would write content for them. This is when we got introduced to each other, right? And, and you mm-hmm. were still with Husker Sports Marketing. And, and we were starting to establish some of these relationships and, and do some really cool work with the, with the local brands. But what we started to realize, too, was that all the guys that we had played football with, they started going to the NFL. And uh, I even got to dabble a little bit in the NFL as a kicker. You're, you're just kind of bouncing around. But um, uh, one of the the key, I guess, stories that we use when, when we're telling that story of how, how we get going is that Prince, 
he gets drafted, right? This is back Prince in the day. Of, Prince of Mukamara, right? Yeah, Prince of Mukamara. This is back in the day when we used to have a bunch of guys get drafted and and, and picked up. <laughs> um, no dig, no dig. Uh, but no, and so he those days drafted. are coming back, folks. Yeah, those days are coming back. Yeah. They are, man. I'm, I'm I'm very hopeful and optimistic. I, um, so he gets drafted, uh, guys, and his following goes from ten thousand to a hundred thousand followers overnight. And he calls us and he's like, Blake, Audi, like you guys have your social media agency, like you're, you're the social media guy. So, what's my following worth? Right. Like, I have all these followers. Like, what's that worth? How can I monetize that? Right. How can I connect with brands so that they can pay me to work with them? And and all those things. And then he's like, also, how do I continue to grow my following? Right. So all those 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 kind of three questions became these pillars for us where we started to say, OK, why don't we build services and services at the time, but then why don't we start building products that help athletes understand their following, understand how to monetize it, understand how to grow. Um, and, and that became kind of the uh, foundation for Open Doors because we wanted to solve that problem for Prince. And eventually the NFLPA called us and said, hey, we have 2000 players who want to work more actively with sponsors and, and licensees. And they're asking themselves the same question. Do you want to partner with us? And absolutely we do, right? And so that kind of um that was a catalyst and 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 so on. And as we continue to grow, we continue to just address those questions. And and again, only recently have those questions now become even more important just because the uh name, image, and likeness, the changes that are coming are going to allow for. 500,000 student athletes, as opposed to maybe a, a small group of professional athletes to ask themselves those questions uh, 10 years ago. So the transaction with Open Doors is that you have a celebrity athlete, well, let's just use uh, a current college athlete, Lexi mm-hmm. Sun from the Nebraska volleyball team, who has mm-hmm. a significant following on social media. Uh, you reach out to the advertising community or the business community and offer her or how does the process work today with Open Doors? That's a great question. So uh, on one hand, right, so just to maybe clarify too, is student athletes in this moment right now can't get paid, right? That that is That change is coming, right? So the legislation still has not gotten uh, passed yet, and we're hoping that's going to happen in April. But um, by August 1st, athletes and student athletes in Florida will be able to transact with brands and make money and they'll just have to disclose that information somewhere right and so uh to continue to stay compliant so but how the current business model works and how we've been doing business for a very long time is that in that case right with lexi's son let's just take any professional athlete odell beckham jr um he's an athlete who signed up on the platform uh along with thirty thousand other athletes and a brand and it could be a local brand. it could be brian health or it could be Husker Auto Group, or it could be uh, EA Sports. They will come to us. Um, they will say, hey, we are looking to build a social media campaign. We would love to have X amount of athletes to be involved. Here's what our budget is. And we're trying to reach these people. Who, you know, like, who should we work with? And so we have data and insights that kind of gives them that information. And then they're able to select that they make their own choices. They can find the athletes. They can pitch them an opportunity. The athlete gets a text that says, hey, Odell, do you want to make $5,000 to share this post on Twitter on Friday at two? And if they click accept, the, the post gets uh, shared, the athlete gets paid. And that's the that's the business model. And that's how we've been operating, again, 
with the NFL uh, Players Association, with the MLBPA, the MBPA, all of the major leagues have been using our tool uh, to allow brands to transact with their athletes in the easiest and, and the simplest manner. And it's all, again, monitored, it's all transparent, it's all in one uh, sort of in interface. But these changes that are gonna happen is it's they're gonna allow a Lexi Sun, right? Or an AJ Martinez in the future, um, you know, yet this fall, they'll be able to sit in this in this marketplace and brands, local brands here, you could have runs up. They could log in, they can find Adrian Martinez and they can pitch him an opportunity to do something on social. Or if he wants to do an appearance or if he wants to um, uh, do an autograph signing or do a Zoom call, they'll be able to use our uh, the Open Doors profile, pitch him that opportunity. Adrian's going to get a text message. It's going to say, hey, Ronza wants you is is uh wants to book this deal with you uh do you want to do it and they're able to transact there and the reason that open doors exists and the reason that student athletes are drawn to open doors and um the reason that we are trying to lead this this new category is because everything is going to be done in a compliant manner everything is tracked every party that's involved is going to be uh displayed um, every move, every decision, every choice that someone makes is going to be all in one place, which makes sure that the compliance officers, right, whether it's at the NCA level or even at the local level at Nebraska, um, that they're in tune with what is happening and uh, agent doesn't run into any issues and there's no bad actors, right? Because the last thing we want, Jim, is is for some, you know, whether the the Nebraska booster has good or bad intentions, is for them to pay Adrian directly and and not disclose it, and and then now he's you know at uh, he could get uh, potentially loses eligibility or whatever it may be right. So our whole thing is to just try transparency in the process and a system that is um, that is easy for all parties to use. Visiting with Adi Kanalik, one of the founders of Open Doors, on the cutting edge of not just social media marketing and branding, but this is the organization that is branded as the go-to place for professional athletes and to be, as you just heard, uh, collegiate athletes too. This is the Nebraska Greats podcast. I'm Jim Rose. It's great to have you here. Nebraska Greats Foundation serves any former letter winner from any of the 16 colleges and universities in the state of Nebraska. If you lettered in any sport at any time and you're faced with a uh, health crisis and a financial challenge, you can apply for a grant from the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Easy to do online at negreats.org. If you'd like to support the Nebraska Greats Foundation and our former athletics heroes, please do so online at negreats.org. Your story is particularly compelling, and it's one that I don't think you share enough. So I want you to talk to us today, right now, about how it is that you came to this country. And don't leave anything out, because it really is quite remarkable uh, and it speaks to what America and what the United States provides for those who want to come to this country and make the most of it. Um, you've been very, very successful at a very young age, Adi Kanalik, but it started out quite scary. So take us to those early days that you recall when you fled Eastern Europe and wound up in the United States. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a first uh, generation born uh, immigrant from Bosnia. So the war for or the listeners who are maybe not as uh, in tune with what happened uh, in Bosnia and in the eastern part of Europe um, in the early 90s. Uh, there was a brutal civil war between 
it's former Yugoslavia, right, between Croatia, Serbia, and Bosnia, and and they they sort of started to fall apart. And um, and so my parents, my brother and I, and my parents, we uh, we chose to flee, right? And so we immigrated to Berlin, Germany, uh, in 1994, and uh, I grew up there. And we were living in Berlin as refugees from 94 till 2000. And so the war actually ended in 1997 officially on paper. And, um, and so in Germany, if you were living there at the time, it was very gracious to let all these uh, immigrants in from war torn countries. But um, uh, they, they then asked, said, hey, the war's over. It's time to go back, right? So, so we, were, um, we were kind of on this uh, cycle or this routine where every six months you would uh, either find out that you were being asked to leave the country within 90 days or you were giving another six-month extension um, until your next date to uh, to uh, have a conversation with uh, the embassy. And so uh, we had an opportunity at the time to move to the States. And and um, the U.S. was really, uh, they had a really cool program, which was you could apply to become a U.S. citizen and, uh, and move to the U.S. legally. And they were doing this for a lot of, again, uh, war-torn places and uh, where the families were able to go to the U.S. embassy in Germany and they, they would go through a series of questions and interviews with, with folks. And um, if they could see that there was intent, uh, that was, uh, that was, there was good intentions for you to come to the U.S. and create a meaningful life for you and your family, they would uh, obviously grant you that access and then you could make that happen. And so uh, we were fortunate um, to, to do that. And in 2000, we moved to Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and so, again, leaving everything behind and uh, Rosie, I mean, I, I've shared this with you, but I, I credit a lot of my upbringing bringing to my parents. Well, the experience itself, but my parents, because there was a lot of families that were sort of in the neighborhood where we were at in Berlin uh, that had left Bosnia at the same time, who whose parents, you know, had kids the same age as me and my brother, but their parents were just too scared to make that leap to the U.S., right? They started a new life and you don't have any money, you don't know how to speak the language, like what are we gonna do? And so my parents really took um, took that leap of faith and said, hey, we're gonna do this for you and your brother, even if we do have to, you know, make six bucks an hour and, and not know how to, you know, learn everything new, right? And so we moved to the States and, um, uh, and had a really good, again, upbringing from a family standpoint. Maybe you don't have everything, but the love is there and, and the care is there. And so, um, when I got to, um, uh, when I got to high school, I played soccer my entire life, right? You know, the European kid and that was my thing. And when I got to high school, I actually asked my biology teacher, my sophomore year, if I could go and try out for the football team. Cause I'm like, if I can kick a soccer ball pretty far, this, this whole football thing has got to be, can't be that hard. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, luckily he, um, I was kind of on and off with it. And, and luckily he convinced me, he's like, you know, you should really come out and try out. And so I was fortunate to make the team and, and uh, had a pretty, uh, you know, a good career in high school. And one of the offers, right, that I got was from Nebraska amongst, um, you know, uh, I think I had probably well, just over a dozen, but Nebraska really stood out to me. And it was because early in the process, this is still when we had Coach Watson, right? Sean Watson, mm-hmm. he's a great kid. Um, and, to, to all the listeners who maybe are not Callahan fans, I, I did enjoy my time with Coach Callahan. I did think that he had all the right intentions um, and he was an incredible recruiter. And, um, and he, uh, he, he did 
know how to take care of people and it's certainly his athletes uh, or, or, or the players. So that's just my, my small uh, shout out to him. But, but yeah, so I, I chose to, I came on a visit and I, I, I think I committed before even visiting the school because I was so uh, excited about the prospect of just playing at Nebraska. And, um, and so that was, you know, that was my journey. And then, and, uh, and now I'm here, I, I, I stayed, right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go back, but I, go back. I don't think, I don't think a lot of folks appreciate Adi just exactly how frightening it was during the civil war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there was not just a fight going on between soldiers. This was ethnic cleansing. This was okay. There's a whole bunch of people out there that can't live anymore. Not mm-hmm. soldiers, people. You and your family were under a tremendous threat, uh, and just getting out of the country was extremely harrowing. You might talk about that. Yeah, get to Germany. Um. So that I mean, thank you for bringing that up. I think um, that w- that is probably maybe an overlooked part uh, in in the story that I tell, just because I don't always go into the details. But um, initially. And I try to maybe make this comparison for someone who wouldn't understand what it's like. But my dad, for example, um, you know, grown up in Bosnia, he was, um, I mean, he, he loved Yugoslavia, he loved the country. He, he was very much like most people in denial about what was happening. And so as the war started, there's this sort of disbelief because you're like, why would my neighbor come and attack me simply because I'm a different religion? Or why would somebody try to kick me out or uh, better yet, separate me from my wife and my kids and take me to a concentration camp? Like it's, I mean, again, we're not, this is not the 1940s, right? Like what, what is happening, right? We have access to media and TV, like, and so th- that denial uh, was very strong. And there's a belief that, no, we're going to recover through this. Whereas my mom was like, hey, um, she's hearing bombs going off and she's hearing people getting shot. And she finally, she's like, Hey, if we have to make, if we have to do one more night, we were staying at, uh, with our, um, uh, with some of our family in, in a town over that hadn't gotten attacked yet. And so you could hear the other town, um, uh, at night shooting all the stuff. And she's like, Hey, if we don't get out of here now. Like, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to leave you. And, and you're going to have to, uh, like I'm, I'm going with, with the kids and you're just gonna have to find us later. And so my dad, uh, you know, he, he made the right choice. Right. And he got in the car, you know, we packed up that night and we left and we, we had to, I mean, it was, you have to be creative in how you get out because the borders were completely shut off. So it was all about who, do you know, and how much money can you pay, um, at the border to whatever, army person is standing there, whether it be on this country that you're going into or the country you're leaving. And they were, I mean, they were completely taking advantage of families who are fleeing for their lives, taking everything, right? It's like, hey, how much do you have on you, right? And and so um, when you're running for your life, you'll give up just about everything. And so, um, but yeah, we were fortunate to get out and we had some family uh, in Croatia that we were able to um, stay with for a couple of months. And my dad actually was uh, went straight to Berlin, got a job um, working illegally uh, and and just just to get an apartment. And then and then we uh, he picked us up. I think it was four months later and we moved in uh, with him. Coming to the United States and immigration is a big 
is a big topic today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Americans are good with legal immigration. They're not real good with illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might share the story uh, of what it meant to your family to come to this country. And in particular, your dad, you mentioned we don't have anything. We've got the clothes on our back. We might have a bag have no money. We don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. And I mean, imagine going to China, okay, and having to speak Chinese or understand Chinese. Well, that's the way it was for Eastern Europeans coming to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, how do you function in this? We can't read anything. You, you can't understand when someone's giving you instructions. Where do you go? So you might talk about how important it was for your dad to show you and your brother the example of, all right, we don't take any charity here. We'll do it on our own. In this country, all we want is the opportunity. Uh, I don't expect anybody to give me anything. And if I get something in the beginning, I'm going to pay it back. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's it's tough to, um, you kind of have to lose everything before you maybe start to have that appreciation just to even have context, right? So I remember when we became U.S. citizens, uh, and again, the program that the U.S. had, this is pre-9-11, like it was, it was literally, you could come here legally, you had to go to a set of interviews, and they wanted to, they looked for certain qualities in people. I believe they did. Um, they wanted to know what you're going to do. Like, are you going to move there and, and work hard, or are you just trying to go and, and set up somewhere else? And kind of what's your history? What's your background? And so... The U.S. had a really cool program. And then after 9-11 happened, and rightfully so, um, there's you probably have to shut certain things down until you can kind of reassess who is coming in and whatnot. So I totally get that. But we got here, and uh, I think there was a deep appreciation for the process. Uh, We had a family, actually, who sort of was our uh, sponsor host, uh, who helped pay for the first month uh, of rent who, you know, got us like a used couch, used TV, and and uh, it was through like a church program. And, and it was so cool, um, just what they did at the time, just to help us out, to get assimilated. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, w- once you're going through that process, you, you just kind of, you see your parents who are taking really any job they can, and they're working their tail off. Um, and there's, again, a deep sense of uh, appreciation and gratitude for even having the chance to do that. Because if you... If we would have gone back to Bosnia, I mean, this is a country that just went through a you know civil war for let's say like a ten year period. So it's not like hey, the war's over now we're all friends. No, no, no. You got to live with the people that you fought with, but all the buildings are completely shot up and and destroyed, and there's no economy like that for kids. If you're ten years old, you know, eleven years old, like what are you gonna do there, right? This is just sadness, and so. Um, I think that they understood those things and and really, um, again, had that gratitude and appreciation and, and always said like, hey, we're here and we've made this jump for you. We've sort of compromised and said, we're going to go the hard way. And so you guys have an opportunity. And so I've been like, I'm eternally grateful for that. And I'm living, I'm trying to continue to do as much as I can in my life. So I can be uh, successful professionally and, and, and personally, just in all aspects of it. So I can call my parents and just be like, hey, guys, look, look like what the opportunity that you gave me and what you created for me. And and uh, and that's super meaningful because if you, if you I just remember when we got our uh, U.S. citizenship. Right. And um, I remember getting my passport and uh, for a lot of again, a lot of people, 
it's not, it's not bad that you don't know this, but it's like, if you have a Bosnian passport and actually most countries in the world, if you have a passport from probably even, I don't know, like Brazil or, or even some, some South, South American countries, you can't travel to other countries. You have to get a visa. You have to get permission because you are a flight risk. Whereas with a U.S. passport, you can go to any country, almost any country in the world. That that is a uh, that is that is pure freedom, right? So when someone talks about freedom, I'm like, that's freedom. I have a I have a pass that doesn't prohibit me from going anywhere else that I want to in the world. And then if I'm in that other country and something happens to me, this country will come and take care of me, or they'll at least send something. Something will happen. Um, being a U.S. citizen, that's the kind of privilege that you have. Like you, you can't take that for granted. And again, you only understand that when you come from a country where, with my U.S. where my Bosnian passport, hell, I can't go anywhere, right? And so when, when if you imagine if we would have moved back there, and my brother and I are trying to, you know, let's say we go to the university and we get our degrees, and but we can't go, we can't leave the country literally because other countries are like, no, if you come here, you might stay. Um, and that is uh, not what we want. And so again, it puts you in a really bad spot. And that is the, those are all the different things, uh, Rosie, that um, my parents are grateful, that I'm grateful of, and that I will continue to just make sure that people know and understand about the US, like despite all the crazy shit that happens, um, whether it's politics related or that, like, guys, this is still the best place in the world where, you can do anything and people will not stop you. They, they will in fact encourage you and support you and, and try to help you if you have the right intentions. And if you are a, um, um, you know, or a good person, you can do just about anything. And um, it is not like that anywhere else in the world. And I, I, I hope that people maybe who, uh, if anyone is surprised by that, like go and dig in. And I'm telling you right now, Germany, like for all its purposes, thank you for letting us stay there. But Germany was not built, and I don't know where this comes from, uh, but they were not built to be uh, friendly to uh, Bosnians or for that matter, for, to immigrants in general. It's, it's culturally not their thing. Whereas here, when I meet someone and I tell them my name, they're not going, hey, but where are you from? Or like, like, they're not judging me because of my name. No. They're just saying, hey, what do you do now? Like, you know, how can I help? They're more interested in about what I'm doing and not like, what's my last name? And, you know, where was I born? And, you know, and, and that somehow goes against me. And so I think it's a, it's just an important thing to remember uh, when, when you think about it. Well said, Adi Kanalik, founder of Open Doors, cutting edge of social media and how it is benefiting athletes as they raise their personal brand, the Nebraska-based company, from a former Husker football players, Adi Kanalik and Blake Lawrence. Thanks for your time today, Adi, and I'll let you get back to uh, ensuring that former Nebraska football players and Creighton basketball players and UNO hockey players uh, get the best shot at uh, cashing in on their celebrity through social media. Of course, man. I appreciate you having me on and, and letting me share my story. I, I always, Rosie, I always enjoy our conversations. So uh, you, you also know how to ask the, the most, uh, the deepest of questions. So, so thank you for that. I love a good story, man. I just let you tell it. I just start the ball rolling down the hill and away it goes. I love Thanks it. for joining us this week, folks. Uh, be sure and be with us throughout uh, 
the year. We have fresh uh, podcasts every single week from an all-star cast of uh, sports celebrities who help us out. Until next time, this is Jim Rose. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.